Ladies and gentlemen, all right, I'm going to do my best not to peg the, the needles and, and spike the levels and the vocal uh, vocal levels tonight, and I apologize in advance if I do. This is a hot mic, hot mic, and uh, used in less than skilled and professional, uh, used by less, less than skilled and professional professionals, semi-professionals. It can do more harm than good. You are tuned to WBCR LP FM. 97.7, pretty good Barrington. I can say that because Richie did the real uh, announcement, the idea at the top of the hour. Uh, this right here is Botin, Botin probably. It's a, he's an Italian dance guy. I'm actually playing him at half speed. Uh, sorry. It's going to be a weird night. I've got a lot of uh, weird stuff that I pulled together at the last minute, and uh, I'm looking forward to playing it for you. But bear with me, because we're all over the map on this one, ladies and gentlemen, so strap in! I've got, uh, I've got the rap music, I've got a Kid Koala thing coming up. It's this, this dude named Fogg, his name I think is Andrew Broder, and he's on Ninja Tune. His own stuff ranges from interesting to boring, but this is a, uh, a remix I'm going to play that uh, Kid Koala did. And Kid Koala's stuff always ranges from like interesting to, wow, that was awesome! And there's, there's never a boring moment. So we'll see what he can do with uh, Fog, the project of Andrew Broder. I believe that's the name. Don't quote me. Um, coming up after that, got a lot of singles. Got some stuff from the Muppets. Um, disco version of Eye the Tiger. Gonna play it. So stick around. This is the Revolutionary Plastics Hour. Thanks to Richie for the stellar lead-in, uh, protest music, and, um, and beyond. So we're going to move into the complacent... Uh, mid to late 30s uh, section of the evening now where 
we're too old to protest things. We just want to kick back and relax and let the kids run the show. So, hey, man. Bobby and Cadet Betty went into pre-lunar medical quarantine. I interviewed them. These telememory tapes will introduce you to these two exceptional youngsters.
cha-cha.
could be wrong You say you told me that you wanna hold me But you know you're not that strong I just can't do that done before I just can't beg you Say for 41, say for 41, say for 41. 
Here we go. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned to 97.7 WBCRLP. Pretty good, Barrington. And um, we've been listening to a lot of stuff. I don't have a piece of paper, so I've been writing anything down. We heard um, Dusty Springfield, well, the Pet Shop Boys featuring Dusty Springfield with What Have I Done to Deserve This. Uh, started out with um, Fog, a Kid Koala remix of the song. Entitled uh, Check Fraud, Kid Koala's Space Cadet something mix. Looks like, no, 2003 mix. Okay. And uh, I played uh, a, a version of um, I Can't Go For That, No Can Do with uh, an exercise person over it. I, I didn't realize she was talking over it, but it's, it was too good to stop. Uh, it's from a Casablanca aerobic dance hits album. And um, continuing along, play the, uh, this is called the disco version um, of Eye of the Tiger by a band called Nighthawk. It's not very disco-y, it's kind of more proto-80s hip-hop. Um, and after that was the World Inferno Friendship Society with our candidate, I believe, yes, our candidate. Uh, also played this Mark Ronson remix of a Bob Dylan song, You Go, Most Likely, Most Likely You Go Your Way, and I'll Go Mine. Somewhere in there there was a technical glitch, uh, for which I blame myself. If you have any questions, requests, suggestions, uh, observations, pontifications, Give me a call at uh, 644-9797. This is the Revolutionary Plastic Hour. Plastics. Revolutionary Plastics. We'll not, we won't get anywhere with just one plastic. And, uh, oh man, this song's about to end, so I'm going to I'm gonna have to do some awkward segueing. Uh, this is DJ Spinna with a song called Adismal. A-D-Y-Z-M-A-L. Really like it. Um, coming up, I'm going to... Moving to the sort of pop punk realm of things, I wanted to just break in here and uh, and give you a quick summary before we kind of change gears entirely. Oh, that last song was uh, Southern Culture on the Skids, a song called BSA 441. It's the B-side of their White Trash single. Uh, the other song is called Two Pigs in a Blanket, and it's a fun little single. Um, I think what I'm going to do, wish I had more instrumental music prepared. Bear with me a second here. Uh, that's what we call a last-minute unprofessional segue. But what's going to happen now is we're going to have a few more minutes of music, instrumental music, underneath my wonderful commentary, which is going to be really quickly. I'm sorry, I'm trying to get this through this really quickly so we can get back to the real music. Um, and it's going to be public service announcements. So, for starters, Bob Weir, solo acoustic. He's going to be fine. What else we got here? The WIC expands hours. Let's get into that. So, uh, to help serve our families in the Otis and Beckett area, South Berkshire WIC will be attending the playgroups in those areas. To arrange for check pickups, please contact the office ahead of time at 413-528-0457. WIC, good food and a whole lot more. Contact is Jennifer Connor Shumsky. And once again, that phone number is 413-528-0457. And uh, let's just get the other one out of the way here. Let's, uh, yoga for skiers and riders. What is that all about? The answer is, Amy Webb and Jill Fleming will lead four super fun classes attuned for skiers and riders. December 8th, 11th, 15th, and 18th, Thursdays, 6.30 from 7... From 6:30 p.m. to 7:45, and Sundays 12 to 11 to 1:15. You got to put the punctuation in the time. Sundays 12 to 1:15 p.m. Classes will be held at Sruti Yoga Center on 33 Railroad Street in Great Barrington. Contact 413-717-5058. So those are the two public service announcements 
for the hour. We are now free to do whatever we want, and we're going to do it. So coming up, I've got some songs by The Dictators, um, early stuff by Rancid, uh, Danzig. Uh, it's going to be sort of an eclectic mix, but it's going to be uniformly off the beaten track and stuff you probably haven't heard, even if you're familiar with these bands, unless you're a real record-collecting geek like me. And I'm also going to try to find some time to read the last page thank you very much the last page in the uh, of the story by H.G. Wells it's a novel called When the Sleeper Wakes and it's really one of the most uh, compelling last pages of any book that I've ever read the conclusion is really it feels very um, feels very modern I don't know, I just there's something very trenchant and there's a lot of pathos in it, but it's it's uh, it's quaint and antiquated and and archaic and yet beautiful and, and immediate and modern and contemporary all at all at once. So we'll get to that. In the meantime, I'm gonna play something else. Uh, I think we'll probably start with the dictators, maybe? Why not? Let's just get into it. In just a minute. Stick around, be right back.
you're not alone. First came the square masses of Shooter's Hill into sight from behind the smoke, lit and orderly with the aeroplane that had landed and its disembarking troops. Then came Blackheath, and then under the corner of the reek the Norwood stage. On Blackheath, no aeroplane had landed but an aeropile lay upon the, gu the guides. Norwood was covered by a swarm of little figures running to and fro in a passionate confusion. Why? Abruptly he understood. The stubborn defense of the flying stages was over. 
the people were pouring into the underways of these last strongholds of Ostrog's usurpation. And then, from far away, on the northern border of the city, full of glorious import to him, came a sound, a signal, a note of triumph, the leaden thud of a gun. His lips fell apart, his face was disturbed with emotion. He drew an immense breath. They win, he shouted to the empty air. The people win! The sound of a second gun came like an answer. And then he saw the arrow pile on Blackheath was running down its guides to launch. It lifted clean and rose, it shot up into the air driving straight southward and away from him. In an instant, it came to him what this meant. It must be Ostrog in flight. He shouted and dropped towards it. He had the momentum of his elevation and fell slanting down the air and very swiftly. It rose steeply at his approach. He allowed for its velocity and drove straight upon it. It suddenly became a mere flat edge and behold, he was past it and driving headlong down with all the force of his futile blow. He was furiously angry. He reeled the engine back along its shaft and went circling up. He saw Ostrog's machine beating up a spiral before him. He rose straight towards it, one above it, by virtue of the impetus of his swoop and by the advantage of the, and weight of a man. He dropped headlong, dropped and missed again. As he rushed past, he saw the face of Ostrog's aeronaut confident and cool in, in Ostrog's at attitude, a wincing resolution. Ostrog was looking steadfastly away from him to the south. He realized with a gleam of wrath how bungling his flight must be. Below he saw the Croydon Hills. He jerked upward and once more he gained on his enemy. He glanced over his shoulder and his attention was arrested by a strange thing. The eastward stage, the one on Shooter's Hill, appeared to lift. A flash changing to a tall gray shape, a cowled figure of smoke and duct jerked into the air. For a moment this cowled figure stood motionless, dropping huge masses of metal from its shoulders and then it began to uncoil a dense head of smoke. The people had blown it up, aeroplane and all. And suddenly, a second flash and gray shape sprang up from the Norwood stage, and even as he stared at this came a dead report, and the airwave of the first explosion struck him. He was flung up and sideways. For a moment the aeropile fell nearly edgewise with her nose down, and seemed to hesitate whether to overset altogether. He stood on his windshield, wrenching the wheel that swayed up over his head. And then the shock of the second explosion took his machine sideways. He found himself clinging to one of the ribs of his machine, and the air was blowing past him and upward. He seemed to be hanging quite still in the air, with the wind blowing up past him. It occurred to him that he was falling. Then he was sure that he was falling. He could not look down. He found himself recapitulating with incredible swiftness all that had happened since his awakening. The days of doubt, the days of empire, and at last, the tumultuous discovery of Ostrog's calculated treachery. He was beaten, but London was saved. London was saved. The thought had a quality of utter unreality. Who was he? Why was he holding so tightly with his hands? Why could he not leave go? In such a fall as this, countless dreams have ended. But in a moment, he would wake. His thoughts ran swifter and swifter. He wondered if he should see Helen again. It seemed so unreasonable that he should not see her again. It must be a dream. Yet surely he would meet her. She was, she at least was real. She was real. He would wake and meet her. Although he could not look at it, he was suddenly aware that the earth was very near. Thanks again for listening. I, uh, I, th I, I bungled that a bit. I thought I had less time than I did. I didn't need to rush it as much. But I, l I really love that ending. It's just so intense. And then that last, just that last drop off. Just such a, a sharp ending and, and such a kind of uh, advanced way for the era. The rest of the story is written in a very, uh, I would say, 
again, antiquated kind of conventional tones, language, voice. So this is the Revolutionary Plastics Hour. Thanks again for listening. My name has been Andrew. It will be next week when we see one another again, and I'm looking forward to it already.